Hey, Richie McCormick here from OTB's Rugby Daily. We'll keep you up to date throughout this year's Six Nations. So subscribe to Off The Ball Rugby and you can listen to Rugby Daily for free wherever you get your podcasts. The Six Nations. Join in the obsession. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. I'm very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and I am joined today by Piedmont Captain Karen Duggan. And coming up a little bit later, we have a very special guest in the one and only Jilly Flaherty, who will be joining us to discuss all things FA Cup from the weekend. But uh, for now, for one last time, we are also joined by Emma Byrne. Um, anyone who was on our Twitter today would have seen the news that Emma has just been appointed the official new assistant manager to the Irish squad. And as a result, she is leaving us, which is fine. So long as you qualify for the Euros and give us a trip to a major tournament, we'll we'll forgive you then. But until then, things might be on edge a little bit, Emma. Well, you have to bring Cara with you this time. You went out yeah, to Australia. Fine. The reason I'm leaving is because you went to Australia on your own <laughs> <laughs> and left us behind. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. Hey, take that one up with the big bosses. If I had my choice, that would have been all of Koi Gig there. We would have had our little van. We would have driven around Australia, flown around Australia, whatever way it that would have worked out. Plan. I would have been quite happy. That was the plan. Uh, but Next obviously, Emma, congratulations. As much as we are sad to see you go and not have your contributed on the pod, we are also obviously delighted for you. How are you feeling now that it's all official? We may have had like a little small inkling that this may have yeah. been coming. <laughs> um, yeah, feel feel really good. Very, very positive before, you know, it's just, it's a great group. So I'm really looking forward to working with it. And, you know, it is, I know I keep saying it, but it is a real exciting time um, for women's football in Ireland because um, there are so many talented players and even like beyond this group, which is very, very positive. So, yeah, I think it's just really exciting times. And I think the group, the people that um, Eileen has brought in are a really, really good group, really hardworking group of people from staff to players and it's, uh, it's just very positive, very positive altogether. That's what we like to hear going into the next international window. And what is like, I suppose this setup is slightly different to the last time in that the last time you guys were interim, you didn't know what was going to happen. It was kind of, you have to take the team from point A to point B, but what were the questions like this time around or the conversations that you guys were having whenever you were going through the process of making this a permanent thing? And then I suppose also when it became permanent. Um, well, it has didn't really change to be honest, because you know, right from the get go, Eileen has said what she wanted, what she expects, and tried to set those standards. And it's just the same again, just that you know, we had even though it was all we're not sure if we're in for the next game, we don't know what's happening, but realistically, we thought we'd be in from September to December, so. Um, you know, it just it's it's just more official now, but it's the exact same thing going into games, the exact same preparation, which there is a lot of. Um, yeah, and just more basically just more organization as to go and scouting and looking at games and stuff like that. Whereas before it was like 
well, I'm going to go. If you want me to have a look at players, just let me know type of thing. But yeah, it's just more organized and it's a little bit longer term, depending on how we do. Well, the right, the right no pressure. Pressure. The managers are getting sacked these days. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Nothing's permanent. Yeah, no, no. I just feel like, because uh, I know we're, we're talking about big names coming in, but I feel very excited about this because it feels like an assembled team. Like, I feel like you all work really well together and Eileen's the type of person who will take on board your feedback and it's not just her going out by herself. So I feel really excited about um, everything going forward. I think there's a really good dynamic in there now. Yeah, yeah, there is. And there's there's a couple of more people added to that as well. Um, so, yeah, like just driving the standards and it's great to see, you know, because the us as Irish, we're quite relaxed, aren't we? And there's like, Asher, it's grand. Like, we'll we, we'll fix it tomorrow or, you know. It certainly seems to be the case when it comes to appointing a men's manager. It's like, <laughs> when it happens, it'll happen. <laughs> but no, it's not. It's really not like that anymore. And it's very, very, we're pushing for, for we're striving for very high standards and everything has to be high. And there's like no dropping off and, you know, setting the standards. And we expect that from the players. So. It's really good. It's it just reminds me of being back playing like with Arsenal. There was nothing you're not allowed to lose. This was the only way to go. This is how we're going to get there. And um, there's no grey areas. So not that we can say that now. The days for poor old Arsenal. I know you guys are going to talk about that later. But um, yeah, feels really good. And um, I'm excited. And I know the players are excited. And there's there's still going to be. You know, there's not changes, but there's going to be, we're still going to be driving those standards. So, you know, the players have got lots of work to do. Mm. And this time you get to go to Florence, which is quite nice as <laughs> a little aside trip. <laughs> Florence and Dalla, two very yeah. nice spots. Well, do you know what? <laughs> I'd actually rather be in Tala, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, no, it's great to play Italy. They're a good standard. Um, mm. I think. You know, that's what Eileen's about. She's brave. She'll take on those games because we do need to be tested going into, you know, qualifiers and stuff. And I think that's going to be interesting. I, I would have thought we were on par with Italy and Italy would be considered one of the top teams. So it'd be great to test ourselves there. And also against Wales, who we've always been throughout the the decades, hundreds and hundreds of years, we've been at the same kind of pace as them. So I think that's a good opportunity to show where we've come and how we've developed since we were about, Carol. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're smart, Karen. This is exactly what we said last week on the podcast, whatever we were talking about this. So it's good that we have the yeah, Thank God. Thank God it wasn't an <laughs> absolute rubber. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and um, the text in the post. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, for people who like maybe don't know what the role of an assistant manager at an international level looks like, like I know you mentioned before scouting and going to games, but can you just give us like a rundown of some of the stuff that is included, I suppose, so that people have like a better understanding of what your role is to Eileen Gleason? Um, so, so it depends on the manager, like in general, it depends on the manager, what the assistant's role is or are in our, in our case. Um, but with Eileen, Eileen likes to, she's, She's very, um, how can I put it? She's very open. Uh, she knows her strengths and she knows where she 
needs other people to to build strengths around her. Um, so as an assistant to Eileen, it's um, it is going and looking at players, giving her feedback, uh, she, which she listens to, like, and she'll take into consideration. Obviously, it's always going to be Eileen's decision. She's the boss, but how she gets to that decision, she's very open and honest, and she'll have lots and lots of conversations about it, lots of conversations. Um, so that's off the pitch, and it's also like just you know making sure the team are okay, like. I would be kind of a link to the players, you know, because I've played with some of them and stuff. So that's nice that we can get, because it's really important to have a happy camp as well. And there's that that's a little bit turbulent that we can sort that out, which players are very good at anyway. Um, And then, of course, there's, you know, on the pitch as well, we go through sessions, we discuss what we want to work on, what we, how we can exploit teams and how we, or how they can exploit us. And then we develop the sessions for those thoughts, basically to try and just explain what we're going to do in games and how we're going to do it. And, you know, the A's and the B's and the C's and the D plans. Um, yeah. And, you know, Colin is, would be much more involved in that than I would to be quite honest. And I will have a stronger role with the goalkeepers this time, which I'm very, very comfortable with, you know, um, it's difficult. It's difficult for me. I'd be always like making sure the goalkeepers are okay, even though they're nothing to do with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not your job. And I'm like, yeah, but are they all right? Like, <laughs> they need anything else. Uh, so I'm going to be more involved with them, which which is great. Um, and 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 yeah, it's just basically trying to help the team and to help Eileen um, with, with whatever she needs, basically. It's a lot of different things to take under one hat, but if anyone can manage it, I'm pretty sure that you will do a good job considering everything we've seen from you over the last while that we've been doing the podcast together and all the various different places you've been telling us you've been at or training sessions or various different things. Um, Emma, it would be also, I know we are going to talk properly about FA Cup later on, but it would be remiss of us not to ask you how you are feeling after the weekend because it was... Something else of a match and I suppose leaves us in a not so great place looking down the barrel of the end of the season. Yeah, um, it's it's a strange one really because Arsenal started so well. I'm not even counting the Champions League. After that, I felt like, right, maybe they needed that to, to kick into gear and I thought they started so well. Um. And something has happened along the way, whether they're players getting injured or player selection or yellow cards or whatever it is, it's just become a little bit choppy, hasn't it? And they were they were flowing at come end of October, they were in flow. And I was like, this is the team. I said, mm-hmm. you're the team to beat, but Arsenal for me are the best team in, in the league, if you know what I mean. They play together as a team. Um, and I still think believe that, but I believe there has to be certain players on the pitch for that to happen, and that didn't happen yesterday, unfortunately. And you know, it it is it is it's frustrating for the fans, you Kathleen, um, <laughs> if there are okay. you know if they're not playing well because I think they should have won that game, and I think they could have won that game easily. As much as I think City are an excellent team. I do believe Arsenal are better. They play together better. And they were missing a couple of connections in there yesterday. And 
can't get it back, but there, definitely I imagine there was some sleep lost last night. Mm-hmm. It's very complex. The players are by Staff and players, um, staff and players, both. Yeah. It was there for the taking for them, I think. Well, they had so many. You know, City are great, but they're, for me, they're an individual team. They played individually yesterday. They, they're great players on the pitch. The back, the back line were excellent. And then it just was Bunny Shaw, which Arsenal dealt with really, really well. And Bunny was, she was tunnel vision. She wanted to score and that was it. And then you had Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp, who were all kind of playing a little bit individual. Um, and it just, you know, I just felt like Arsenal could have, just, if they just took the balls by the, the balls, <laughs> the, the horns. <laughs> <laughs> what they <laughs> Oh, that's took- <laughs> I'm, I'm confused next week. <laughs> if they just grasped yeah. the game, um, I'm going bright red here. Um, I know what I would have said off air. <laughs> um, yeah, I just felt like it was theirs to win yesterday and it kind of sums up their season, to be quite honest. Mm, yeah, very much does. And we will chat a bit more about that with Jilly in a bit, who obviously, like yourself, has great knowledge of Arsenal and will be able to give us all the good insight. Um, Emma, for now, we shall bid you adieu. Unless, Karen, do you have any final words? I know you've been saving up a big emotional speech. So that I, I, I better get away to the Christmas parties and stuff. Like, don't No, this is it. I'm cutting contact. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you. I want the end of year party inv- invitation as well. Well, get us some good content on the on the download, and, and we'll see what we'll see. If we can. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna feed you a load of lies and hope you talk about it. And I will, and I'll say it with my chest. And I'm gonna invent like some really crazy stuff. <laughs> Guess what, Caro? <laughs> <laughs> No, I promise I won't do that. No, it's um, the inside scoop, and I'll get you a discount when you're scouting over in (laughs) Pima. It has been a pleasure, and I wish you the best. I'll be listening to make sure you're not talking bad about me. Um, And sure, I'll see you again. You you can invite me as a on as a guest when we. When we get through to the finals of the of the Euros or something, I might be able to give you his 20 minutes. You're so good. <laughs> You're so kind. You're so good to us. Can't believe you give us that sort of time. I mean, it's only been a year. <laughs> it's only been about 15 years of my life, but anyway, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> um, well, Emma, as I said, congratulations once again and thank you very much and yes definitely you won't be a stranger to the podcast we will be annoying you many times over the coming while to see if we can get any gossip uh, off you so yeah thank you and best of luck with it thank you very much Now, after our sad farewell to Emma Byrne, we are delighted to say that we have quickly uh, replaced her with someone else who is equally as legendary in the WSL, and that is the one and only Jilly Flaherty. Jilly, thank you very much for stepping in for us last minute after we uh, lost one of our co-hosts. How are you getting on? Yeah, no, I'm all good. I'd like to say you got a little bit of a younger co-host here <laughs> compared to Emma. Um, but no, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. 
We'll definitely have to make sure she listens to the rest of this <laughs> podcast just so she can uh, hear that dig because I'm sure she would appreciate it massively. Um, Jilly, we have you on. Obviously, no WSL over the weekend. It was an FA Cup weekend, some big shocks. A couple of games, probably not all that surprising. Um, but probably we'll start off with the big game, which was Arsenal-Man City, where it was the two main WSL title rivals, arsenal having a really bad week in the WSL the weekend before and kind of going into this game, needing a result and it just wasn't happening for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously I was there. Um, I was covering the game and yeah, it just was, I mean, the first half was pretty much a stalemate. I was just thinking for a neutral, we just need a goal to try and load up. It just felt that both teams were very weary of um, being brave. You know, because I think they more so Arsenal than Man City, because I think Man City were playing in the first half with the intent to score. Um, and I think obviously with Man City, they've got the best defence in the league at the moment. Um, so I think that they wasn't worried about going forward because there was that trust that they can keep a clean sheet. Um, but there weren't really any clear cut chance in the first half. If anything, I'd say City were probably the better team in the first half. I don't know what it is with Arsenal at the moment. I just feel like when I watch them, there's it's in the final third. It's just the final pass, the final decision. The they play so open. There's no support for Russo at times. Um, and then in the second half, it was I was really impressed by Arsenal when they come out. Obviously, 65, 70 minutes, it they dominated really. And then obviously Man City get the goal, and then it's just after then up up it and level again to try. I mean the last. Extra time, I think, was about seven, eight minutes. It was the most exciting, probably, patch of the game. <laughs> um, but, yeah, obviously, Man City were able to hold on. Yeah, strange. I read an interview. Um, I bet Mead said that she felt that they were hesitant. So, is that... why? Where is that coming from? Because players on the pitch that Arsenal have are just outrageously good and they have so much attacking options. What is it that's making them hesitant? Is it tactics or is it just form? it could be a bit of both. I think as well with, I think a part of it could be confidence. I think obviously you're coming off the back of a, a defeat against West Ham who, no, listen, West Ham, in my opinion, deserved the the win. You know, I think defensively were brilliant. Um, they, they can't, they can't at Arsenal in a way and then Arsenal not break them down at all and they were getting frustrated and they had played missing and, I just think for Arsenal, something's not clicking, whether it could be tactics, whether it could be Jonas's subs, for example. I think they've got the pressure from the fans um, as well. But, yeah, I think it's just like a, a load of things coming together and you see all that stuff that's happening is just coming onto the pitch. Mm. It's interesting you say about the pressure from fans because I feel like it is particularly ramped up over the last while and you know you've seen lots of different Arsenal supporter groups saying calm down a little bit you know this sort of pressure shouldn't be there but isn't that the sort of pressure you'd kind of expect this Arsenal team to flourish under because as Karen was saying like we're not looking at a team of youngsters here like they're fairly well established WSL and international players yeah no a million percent a million percent and I think um with them as well with with Arsenal it's like there, there's a lot of pressure because Obviously, they've, they've spent money and it's, you know, there is pressure on them to keep up with the likes of Chelsea, the likes of Man City, you know, in regards to 
they obviously had a poor start to the season by getting knocked out the Champions League qualifiers when they was expected to to do the business there. And then so sort of everyone went, well, hold on a minute. Now they're out of the Champions League qualifiers. This then means that now they're really going to have full focus on the league and they're going to go and smash it. And then they start off losing their two games in the season. <laughs> you know, so it's like... It, and then I think everyone talks about, listen, no one's won the WSL with more than two losses. So I think that plays a part because obviously now they've got three. And it's just those little things, I think, but... I do think there's a, there is a lot of outside pressure, um, which probably doesn't help them at all. Um, but you can't afford to be off your game. I said it yesterday. I said, obviously, like, the, the, the thing with the WSL now is it's got so much stronger and so much more competitive that now if a team has an off game, they're gonna the other team's gonna punish them. You got the risk of that now. Whereas before, years ago, even when I was playing, you could have an off game and still know you can go and beat a team four or five nil. That was just the difference in the standards, but you can't do that now. And I just think for whatever reason it's just not it's not clicking at the moment at Arsenal. Mm. Karen, what does the team do in this situation? Because like I don't know if it's something you found yourself in before where maybe you have all the right ingredients, you have the right players, but for some reason you're just not able to put two and two together to make a smooth team work. Yeah, it's so hard. Um it happened to us uh, a couple of seasons ago just in the Irish League just hit a lull we lost every game in May and then after that we just went on a brilliant run but it was too late um, to to really mount a challenge at that point and I think Julia's right I think it is a confidence thing if you have one game like that you're expected to win like a West Ham you can't break them down you start to second guess and then once the atmosphere in the dressing room changes a little bit it's it's hard to get it back um, without getting a couple of wins under your belt so like you say, this would have been a really good game for Arsenal to win to maybe counteract that kind of feeling that things are slipping away from them. But it just continued, unfortunately, for them. And I think, yeah, it is. It's it feels like a bit of a rough spot for them and it's hard to put your finger on it when you have the talent that they have and they have all these players coming back from injury, which you would think would cause a massive bounce for the team and, and instill confidence. But it seemed to have had a negative, well, not a negative impact, but they don't seem to be as assured in themselves in the way that they attack, particularly. Mm. I think it, it, if Kim Little is fit, she came on yesterday, she should start just because I feel like she's that cog that settles everyone else. So that's an A-Devel selection. That's obviously her fitness comes into play there, but I'm obviously part of her fan club as well, have been for <laughs> years, but I just feel like she's the type of player that can bring a group back together. Angela, you're shaking your head there as Karen was saying it. And I don't, Karen's not the only person I've heard say that about Kim Little over the last couple of days. Yeah, I just think, listen, obviously, she came on yesterday. I was, because obviously, I know she's obviously been injured, but she's been on the bench the last couple of weeks and obviously hasn't featured. So I'm like, for me, she's a big loss for them, a huge loss because in regards to like playmaking, she's brave. She wants to get on the ball. She always offers us an option. She's creative and she just, I always said, like, obviously I played with Kim and I mean, me and her are polar opposites in, technically as well, but in regards to I'm I'm loud on the pitch, Kim's not necessarily loud. You know, she she's not one of them captains who's going to be screaming and shouting and telling you, you do this, do that, but she leads by example and she drives the team forward and 
I always say with Kim, she's a match winner. You know, she could pop up with something out of nothing. She can re create something. And I think watching, because the last couple of games before she got injured, she was playing in a higher position. So she weren't, obviously you had uh, Walty in the middle, but she was able to push on a little bit. And I think, yes, when I was watching uh, Russo up front on her own, Frida Marlon for me is just, she's not at the races at the moment for whatever's for whatever reason, but the ball gets played up to Russo. She's trying to hold it up and she's not got a single player around us to support her. Whereas if you're giving the ball up to Russo and she's got Kim Little playing off of her, you know Kim's always going to be there. Um, so I do, I think there's there's that link that's missing between the midfield and, and between the front line. Um, but a lot of it is just they're playing in a lot of isolation. And it is, when, you, when you're going through a tough patch like that you're just thinking when is this win coming because that's all they need they just need a win mm -hmm. to sort of get rid of whatever's going on that's all, when you're when you're playing that's all you think of and then they probably looked at the West Ham game thinking this is going to be a this is going to be the win this is going to be the the three points and then obviously then that goes the way it goes and then everyone's jumping on social media with, they've never lost to West Ham ever in their the whole history of the club and blah 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 and then they're, they're probably thinking, London City line, this is midweek. We can get a good win there, get us through. That gets postponed. And all of a sudden, then they're facing Man City in the FA Cup. So it's a tough one, but they've just it's one of those ones just got to ride the storm and hopefully the momentum changes. A nice, easy tie-up against United and the WSL at the weekend as well. Oh, they do have the reorganised London City Lionesses fixture during the week, so maybe they'll be able to get something there. And um, we should move on as well without actually giving City some credit too, because they were the ones who got the goal. Keating had quite a performance considering how she had, uh, well, was generally being taunted by the fans and some of the experiences she'd had in the past. Jilly, for you, is there potential for the City team to get a win against Chelsea potentially at the weekend and then really put the pressure on when it comes to the WSL title race? Or... Are we just going to see Ramirez doing ridiculous things like she did in the FA Cup and all just give up the title for the next 10 years? I know. What a welcome to Chelsea, by the way. She can't just score like a scruffy tacking, does she? She has to go and score something <laughs> spectacular. But yeah, for me, I, I'm just watching City defence. They look really solid. And when you compare that to Chelsea's defence this year, um, obviously you've got Bjorn who's just come in there. But their defence has looked a little bit ropey at times. Um, so I think if you're looking at like the battle defences, I watched City defence yesterday and I didn't think at all they defended so well. Even when Arsenal turned it up again, was throwing everything at them, they defended it real well. Keating, that's probably the best performance I think I've seen her play. She made mm. some absolute worldy saves. Um, and obviously she's also going back to a place where in this season, in, the, in the, that fixture, she made the biggest mistake that she, I mean, she was emotional and um, inconsolable at the end because of it. So to have to go back to that place, knowing you are going to get stick from the fans, she was unbelievable, um, in my opinion. So defensively, I think they look, um, they look solid. I'm, I'm so excited for the game against Chelsea because I feel you're going to be getting the two probably best informed teams at the moment coming up against each other. With obviously City only three points behind Chelsea. Um, so it's going to be exciting. I do, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Chelsea playing at home, they're like a different kettle of fish. But I don't know. This, this, I feel like for me, this would be the closest um, City game with Chelsea. Obviously, the start of the season when they played each other and 
Chelsea only managed to get that late equaliser and they were buzzing with that point, City should have won that game. Um, so I think City will be going into the game full of confidence. I just really hope it's not like a super scrappy, deeply defensive game for like 80 minutes and it's just like one slip of someone that actually determines that I want a complete yeah. goal. I think fest. Chelsea have that in them, but I think City like to go and play. Mm. So I don't think it will be. Well, we hope not. <laughs> for, our, for our podcast content. Yeah, exactly. Like that. <laughs> um, we briefly mentioned her there, but Ramirez making her debut in spectacular fashion. If you have not watched this goal or if you didn't see the highlights of the game, go on to the Twitter page for the FA Cup. I think it's Adobe FA Women's Cup. And it's so good. Like I saw people talking about it, Karen, and I was like, ah, how good can it be? And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like you couldn't, you couldn't plan that. Like the way it bounced off the ground and up in like... Why does why did she even have that much power with her foot at that angle? It made absolutely no sense. And I'm terrified of what she's going to do to this league, to be honest. Um, I think she could be quality for them. Obviously, Chelsea were hitting the bar and they were plugging away for what 80 odd minutes before they made the breakthrough. Um and it's a, and it's such a cliche to say, oh, it was going to take something special, but it, it did take something special. Um, but yeah, highly recommend going looking at that finish by Ramirez. Um. yeah I mean you have to give Crystal Palace credit as well they banked up probably a lesson that a lot of WSL teams should have taken on earlier in the season against Chelsea like don't even try <laughs> just try and stop them but um, yeah I, I, you felt like it was always coming yeah from an Irish perspective just in that game um, Izzy Atkinson was an unused sub and then Abby Larkin came on the pitch so there wasn't too much involvement Jilly, it obviously means that Chelsea are going deeper again into another competition. They have quite a lot on their plate. We saw the Champions League draw the other week as well, which doesn't look like an easy route should they get along it. Um, is that something that will worry Emma Hayes? Or is the squad deep enough at the moment that they should be able to rotate and take on big games like the City one at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think it's listen, they're going to be coming into the business end of the season. They're Emma's one who has a squad, has a budget to go and every year say they want to go and win the quadruple. So they, if anything, they're they're fully prepped for it. Obviously, they've lost. Listen, you've lost Sam Kerr. She's a she's a big player, but then you're able to go hold on a minute. Let's go and spend however much and go and get Ramirez. Um, when most people would probably struggle to try and find a player, either budget wise or availability wise, really to bring a player in that quick. Um, but yeah, I think I think for them, Emma's always said she always prefers playing games. She prefers it where they've got the momentum. And I think what you've noticed now as well in obviously the um the the last couple of Champions League games as well, there was a lot of rotation, you know, and, and it's not that they've just got the same starting eleven for all games. In all fairness, you can't probably predict Chelsea starting eleven because even if they think, oh, well, hold on a minute, they might have a, a lower ranked team in the WSL, you then go out full strength. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so you can't, you really can't predict it. And I think the good thing is, is that there's so many games and so many opportunities for players that players are fresh. So you ain't got to think, well, hold on a minute, if they get a couple that are injured or a couple missing, they're not necessarily weakened because everybody... And, yeah, and their dressing room will be happy because everyone's playing. Exactly, exactly. There's not going to be no unhappy players there. Mm. So... I think they're in a really good place. Um, it's just making sure everyone stays fit. 
you know, and it gets tough, I think, because especially as you, as you get into the later stage of season and obviously whether or what, if there's any postponements, it's going to be game Sunday, game midweek, game Sunday. Um, but I think Emma likes that. Is that where maybe Chelsea have gone right and maybe it shows Emma's man management or player management in a way that maybe Ada Val doesn't have? Yeah, I think, I think for me, I always say when I first joined Chelsea, we had, obviously, we didn't have the budget that they had now, but we lost that league in the first year, right? We was should have won it. We lost it on the last day of the season to Man City. And, you know, when everyone talks about Emma with her four goalkeepers that she has that could probably be number one in any team in the league, we had um, we had, we had had two goalkeepers, but we actually had, um, is it Endler? You know, Endler who's... Um, mm, Christian. Yeah, we actually had her as our number two, right? And she got homesick. So Emma said, go home. Um, obviously, if you're in a bad place, listen, it's fine. We'll release you from your contract. So she goes. So we play the last few games of the season with one goalkeeper. So we then come into the final game against Man City and we have no goalkeeper on the bench. So a couple of days before that game, Chelsea get um, a goalkeeper who was a police officer who hadn't played for months, years or whatever, to sit on the bench, Right. Uh, Marie Hurrahan, within the first 20 minutes, goes for a save and dislocates her shoulder and comes has to come off. And we had the goalkeeper come on who had never played with us before and we ended up, she conceded a couple, but we ended up losing the game against City and all we needed to do was draw that game or win it and we won the league. And I always say from that moment on, Emma never made sure that Chelsea was put in that same position again. So that's why she has... <laughs> as many goalkeepers as she wants, but also she has the squad that she wants. And I think every year there's always expectations on Chelsea to, right, you've won the double, right, now you need to go and win the treble, right? You, there's always that expectation of they need to be in, they need to be aiming for the quadruple. And you can't do that with a squad of 16, 18. You can do it with a bigger squad, but you have to have a squad that, if there are a couple of injuries, those players coming in are good enough to play for your team week in, week out. And I think, with Jonas, I think with Arsenal, they had that mentality before when I was there to win everything. I feel like now they say it, but I don't know whether the ambition and the budget and all that matches that, if that makes sense. I don't, I feel like it's good to say, yeah, we want to win everything, but is that really the belief? Is the investment there from the club really that belief to go, yeah, there's the money or there's the resources, go and, go and win the treble, go and compete to win the treble, the quadruple. Yeah, you even feel it with the way they're playing, that sort of like reticence and slight reluctancy that it doesn't feel like the squad, obviously they're going to say, yeah, we want to win trophies, but it doesn't really feel like they're acting it out on the pitch either. Um, Karen, your beloved Man United, nice little tidy win for them. Yeah, still making hard work of things. Um, uh, I obviously thought Toon's first goal was excellent. Um. But, you know, we're still relying on Rachel Williams. So you talk about squad depth and stuff and thank God they have someone like Rachel Williams who can come on and, and get a goal because uh, sometimes we do we do struggle in that area a lot. But um, yeah, fair play to Southampton. There was times where they were turning the screw in the second half and they really could have, uh, they probably could have gotten 
another another goal at some point. So I think United will just be happy to be through to the next round because realistically they should want to compete for this trophy. Um, you kind of hope that someone like Chelsea do take their eye off the ball considering they might be going for Champions League and, and the title and, and stuff like that. And now with Arsenal gone, um, they should be gung-ho for this. So yeah, it was it was decent, not brilliant. But. Mm. I think it probably stands to the testimony of how competitive the championship has been this year that so many of the teams did actually give the WSL teams a bit of a run for their money. Like if you look at the standings at the moment, Charlton are on top on 30 points and Sunderland are on 28. And just below that, Crystal Palace and Southampton are on 27 each, then Birmingham on 26. So it's still quite tight in the race up there, Jilly, and it does feel like we're getting closer and closer to a stage where it's unfair that only one of these teams gets to get promoted every year. And obviously they have the run out and the FA Cup and the Conti Cup, but you you think that they could probably do a bit of a job in the WSL? Yeah, well, I think it's been, it's, I think it's one of the most frustrating things is that only one one club comes up. And I also think it's frustrating that only one club goes down because I think too many clubs in the WSL in recent years have got away with not supporting the women enough and not um, not being diligent with how the women have run and that. And I think they've been safe because there's always really been one bad team in the league. Do you yeah. know what I mean, one team would always be banked at the start of the season, whether it be funds or whatever they're going they're going to go down. Regardless of how probably well they play, they're going to go down. And I think that has helped a lot of teams, um, general managers, directors, wherever they're at, because it, if they've not been punished for not supporting the women's and not giving them the, the, the funds and the resources that they deserve. Yeah, Karen, you were making an interesting point along these lines just before we started recording, just in terms of comparing Leicester and Birmingham and where they were last season. So Leicester beat Birmingham 6-2, which is probably not a scoreline we would have expected to see when they were competing against each other in the WSL. Yeah, things were so tight between them last year. It was always like a single goal um, difference between them. And ultimately, it decided their fate. And instead of Birmingham having a straight bounce effect, they haven't been as dominant this year. And you kind of think maybe is that the same, like what Julie is saying? Is it support-wise? Is it attracting players? The last thing you want for a club like Birmingham to do is to go the way that, that Reading have. Um, so, yeah, it's just something definitely that teams need to be conscious of. But I also think that Leicester were one of those teams last year that we were like, they're too good to go down. They're too good to go down. So I was glad that they stayed up. And I think that, you know, they're a good manager and they're, good, they're actually quite good to watch. But, yeah, it's a really interesting point that Jilly made there just in terms of getting away with the bare minimum. I feel like that was a feature that should be outdated at this point. But, you know, it's not quite. Yeah, and when it comes to that, do you think, Jilly, if it was maybe a two-up, two-down situation, do you think that would be enough to actually scare clubs into because I assume that's the only way you can really do that scare clubs into action a bit more yeah you'd like to think because I think the the women's game now you you need more investment you know so if you don't want to invest in your women's team then that's fine but then there's probably a big risk that you're not going to be in the in the WSL and I think there's a lot of um for the it doesn't it, it doesn't look good for the men's 
side if they haven't got a women's team, for example, now, or because now teams, will, men's clubs, for example, will be pulled up on it if they don't have a women's team. People are going to demand questions. You look at Man United, people are going to be asking questions, why do you not have a women's team? So now when you look at it, now they're going to be saying, well, do you have a women's team and how good are the women's team? Because I think a lot of it is if a women's team gets the right funding and the right investment and the right backing and the best facilities, that will attract players no matter what. Like you, you could be, for example, Charlton getting promoted to the WSL. If Charlton all of a sudden got huge investment and were able to go to a player, listen, we're going to be able to buy you out your contract for 250 grand and then offer you X, Y, Z. If players are going to be able to get the money that potentially they're not going to be able to get elsewhere and they're going to go there and they've got facilities that match that ambition and they can buy into the project, any club can go from here to there in the in the women's game. With well, the I even right. think the, the signings that West Ham made, their, their statements, signings, they were saying we're not happy enough to be down at the bottom of the table. They made some statement signings and obviously it's had an immediate impact. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's why... Sometimes I think in the WSL, when there's only been one relegation place, it's sort of, well, we're not... All those teams are sitting above it are getting away with with murder or something because mm. they're getting away with giving teams bad facilities and not enough support. But, oh, well, we're not going to get relegated. So we still look good because we're in the WSL and I think eventually teams will get found out. And I think it should be two up, two down because that league championship is tough and... There are teams and there are clubs down there who actually want to back their women's team and make them full-time and or give them the full-time money. And I mean, a lot of them are full-time anyway now, but as in, you can be full-time, but on a part-time wage. Whereas going to WSL, they'll be able to get get that investment. But yeah, I think I think it should be too up to them. It was certainly made things a lot more interesting. We've even seen it a bit, I think, this season with like Bristol and the sort of attendances they're bringing to the league, which are kind of like competitive across the entirety of Europe. And it would be a shame to lose that from the league as well this year if they do end up being relegated. Um, Liverpool, or Liverpool, <laughs> Jilly, a final word <laughs> on Liverpool before we go. Um, A tough enough game for them against London City Lionesses. Like they had, I think it was something ridiculous, like 20 shots and London City only had one. So really it was a game they should have won comfortably enough, but kind of took them to like the 70th minute minute mark just to kind of tie things up a bit. Yeah, I, I think with Liverpool, like obviously they are my former club, but for me, I've really been impressed by them this year. I think this is the best that I've, even when I was there, they, this team now is much better than the team that was when I was there. And I think they they going into into games where a bit like not how Villa was last year in the sense of there was team Villa took a lot of points off of teams higher up above them, and I feel like with Liverpool now when they play a team, they they have they have been beat by the big sides, but you fancy to go at the big sides. They're not just sitting back sitting in the block and going, oh do you know what we're going to let you keep coming at us the whole ninety minutes and hope to catch on camera. Liverpool going, we're here to compete, we're here to win, and I think. For example, the game against London City, that would have been a game where they just said, listen, just get the result, get the get through to the next round. That's the main thing. It's going to be difficult being away from home anyway. Playing on a pitch that got called off in the week because it's been waterlogged, so you don't really necessarily know the condition of it. Um, but for me, I, I fancied Liverpool, I said this at the start of the season, to get through to a cup final. I do fancy it. So, And with the FA Cup, it's a... 
it's a competition where I know it from when I was at West Ham and we got through to the final. If you can get a good draw the whole way, before you know it, you're at Wembley. Um, and, yeah, I, I fancy them to, to go a bit further in the competition. Um, but, yeah, I think yesterday would have just been get the result, get back on the bus and get home. Billy's making the big calls here, Karen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we'll get you back on for, for Wembley and, and see what <laughs> Yeah. United Liverpool final is what I heard. Oh, that'd be tasty. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be great for an Irish perspective if they did get there with Nifahi back and Leanne Kiernan back to, you know, more time on the pitch that they can get the better for us in terms of going into those Nations League qualifiers later on in the year and even just the friendlies um, coming up as well. So we can kind of see where they're at and how they're playing. So it has been a while since they've got consistent time on the pitch. Jilly, thank you very much for joining us and stepping into Emma Burns' much older shoes. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, if anyone listening wants to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at the Koi Gig Pod. We're always looking forward to your thoughts, feelings, opinions, whatever it may be. Could be about how you feel about Ireland. Getting Emma on as their new assistant manager helps set you are for us that we don't get to get her anymore. Or how you felt about the weekend's FA Cup action at the Koi Gig Pod. You'll find us all there. The Koi Gig Pod and Off the Ball is sponsored by Cabri, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's team. Thank you very, very much for listening and we will talk to you all next week. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.